Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today, we're talking about the why behind money. Today on the show, we're going to talk about how to implement your values into your spending. So Joel, uh, let's give our listeners some updates on Airbnb. So folks, y'all might remember our our Airbnb episode where we talked about... Was it episode three? I think so. Yeah, early on. And uh, do you want to go first with sort of where you guys are with the uh, Airstream? I will because mine's sadder. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want to cry here. Slightly shorter story. I found the perfect Airstream. On this awesome website, airstreamclassifieds.com. Yeah, don't bump people out, man. You don't need, I don't want our listeners no, to get all sad. <laughs> it was the prettiest thing ever. And it was uh, it was an Airstream Argosy, which is the Argosies are the only ones that were painted. Most of the Airstreams you think of are those like metal, glistening, beautiful. Like uh, stainless steel or aluminum. Yeah, yeah. The, that look. And they're awesome. But the, so the, I really like the painted ones, the Argosies that were around from like 1972 to 1978. So I found this awesome one that was about uh, five or six hours away from where I live. And I was like literally about to, to hop in the car. I was going to go down there, but I didn't. <laughs> and so here's only folks can see your face. You're like, you're torn between like, yeah, you're sad, but you're, you're, I mean, you're happy. Like you're glad you didn't do it in the end. It's the right move. Right? Yeah, it's the right move. But I also see the pain in your face. Yes, so. it's, it's sad because it's something I talked about. It's something I'm really interested in doing. And I still think I will at some point. But here's the reason why I didn't. I ended up having a long phone conversation with my friend David. And he lives probably, you know, five or six miles away from where I live and rents out almost the exact same kind of trailer in Similar his backyard. Setup, right? Yeah, so yeah. he's been doing it for years now. And has like he's like an Airbnb super host has all these great reviews. David uh, is single, no kids, and owns his own business, so he's pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him for a, you know a good long time about his experience, how it's been for him, and kind of what I could expect if I were to get into this. And he really kind of helped me understand that, especially with something like an Airstream in your backyard versus like a, a basement apartment or something like that. There's a lot more like handholding and, you know, meeting the people that are staying in your place. Like you just, you actually need to be there for it and you need to introduce yourself to them. And he talked about how essentially the 
experience was incredibly different if he wasn't able to meet the guest that was staying there. Right. And so that they would, once they shook your hand and you got to know a couple details about each other, they treated his place like a palace. But if he wasn't able to be there, people smoked in it. And um, there's there's just so many things that can go wrong uh, that you have to pay attention to on a, a trailer that sits in your backyard a lot more than a part of your house. Yeah. And so talking to him and getting all those details, it really helped me think through, you know what? I think with a full-time job with two kids with a awful podcast, that's just <laughs> terrible that no one likes uh, Even that poor, not poor thing. I don't know, man. <laughs> there's just no time in my life to dedicate towards addition. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if it, was, if it was like a basement apartment, we could have maybe set up some systems and figured some things out. But with all the extra attention that something that sits in your backyard requires, not to mention just getting it ready, which I was excited about. But uh, and I was also excited about meeting the guests. That was part (laughs) of the fun. Talking to folks. But lots of times check in is between noon and 3 p.m. or something like that. So it's just tough to make that happen when when you have a day job. Yeah, (laughs) you're working nine to five. So for right now, my Airstream dream, putting on hold, but... Someday I will resurrect it from the ashes like a phoenix (laughs) (laughs) and it will happen. Yeah, I hadn't thought about how it might be different with it being specifically an Airstream. I guess folks aren't used to staying in an Airstream. And so there's things where they're like, well, how does this work? Or where do I put my sheets? I don't know. know Or something that sounds a little like sheets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do I push this button? Does it disappear? Exactly. Does it just end up on the ground outside? A lot of questions to answer. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about that, but I guess that is a little bit different than kind of setting up the basement apartment, which is what we're looking at doing. And that was sort of our, yeah, our approach, our angle. I was going to say when we first recorded, I was like 90% on the yes side and I like you know, I, I put on the brakes and you were like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, man, we weren't, we weren't sold on it. You know, like Kate and I, we talked about it some, we had briefly talked through some of the different pros and cons of it, but we hadn't really sat down and thought through the logistics of it, I guess. And I don't know. I mean, the more we did it, the more we realized that we could do that, you know? And so the same things, I guess, that you realized were going to be a problem for you. Um, we realized that that wasn't going to be an issue for us, you know, with me being self-employed, being at home, I've got flexible hours. I'm more than happy to be able to you know, meet some guests that, that stop in and show them the place and hand the keys over, you know? So yeah, the more we talked about it, the more we realized that this could very well be something that would work for us. So your plan has also changed a little bit because when we first talked about it, you oh yeah, <laughs> you were essentially talking about doing being, it by, by hand and digging yeah digging digging it out. I mean, you were essentially talking about taking your own shovel down underneath the house, clearing out the dirt, making some headspace because right now there's there's not a lot of room down there. So how have your plans changed? Okay, so uh, here's the big reason why that was the case then. Because for the photography that I do, it was off season, which means I had all the time on my hands at that point and thinking through, I'm like, oh yeah, I found that I don't look more than three months ahead sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have this much time for the rest of my life. Right. And it's like, no, that only lasted for like a few weeks before busy season ramped up for me. And I realized that my time is incredibly valuable and I want to spend it with my three girls and my wife <laughs> and my dog and working on this awful podcast that we have. (laughs) (laughs) So it has changed. And after talking about it with Kate, we also realized that a way that we could sort of approach this would be essentially adding on a small section to the back of our house. So instead of sort of excavating out from underneath of our existing house, we would be digging out on the exterior of our home and then sort of building over that where we're going to put a screened-in porch. It's going to be much easier. It's going to make a lot more sense and it's going to give us a lot more space in the Airbnb as well down there, which is something we were kind of concerned about from the beginning and that we were able to kind of solve that problem by sort of changing up the plans. So yeah, I don't want to dive into the details any more than this, but essentially we're moving forward, man. We've got, uh, this, this is a bigger project though, because the scope has kind of gotten bigger. It is going to require some financing. And so I've got that lined up with our uh, credit union here in town. Super low closing costs. I mean, like a few hundred bucks, actually. It was really cheap. Nice. Uh, I mean, we've got a great rate. And we've got, yes, yeah, so we've got our financing locked down. And we're in talks now with an architect. And we, we are waiting to get those drawings back before we basically get those out to uh, start having builders bid on it. So, man, we're, we're pumped. I don't want to say we're like 100% for sure moving forward, but we are like really close. 
So we got some ballpark figures as well. And yeah, it's going to fall within the range that we're that's going to work for us. And we're going to still be able to get a good ROI with the amount of money that we're going to put into it. And your house will be worth more. So I mean, yeah, I think- it's going to increase the value of our home. And without going into any more details, we're slightly increasing the usability of our house. Well, I think the one thing that I'm going to miss the most, and I have a dream that's going to die as you as you partake in this, Matt, and that's you have this hot tub on your back deck right now, and <laughs> the hot tub's got to go. I've I've actually it's going to be gone, man. I've started a petition uh, in the neighborhood <laughs> to try to get you to make it a functioning hot tub because right now it's been since you bought the house, it's been sitting there not working, um, and so I've got a petition you started. You are welcome to take the got hot a lot tub. of signatures, and uh, no, I want it to be on your porch, <laughs> and I just want to use it. No, you use yeah, you fill it up with your water, buddy, and uh, you can be the the one out there cleaning it and testing the chemicals and doing all that. Oh, see, that's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> so no hot tub for me, sadly, and no more hot tub for Matt. By the but, way, if anybody out there wants a free hot tub, hit me up. I will give you my address. <laughs> at not poor Matt on Twitter. Holler at him. It's all yours. Beer time. Let's let's move on. I'm so thirsty. Yeah. Are you really? I am too, man. I'm like really my my, my mouth is crazy dry. I'm really thirsty, but we're gonna drink these not for water for beer. <laughs> so today we thought we would break open a beer that literally probably every single person listening to this podcast. I don't know, actually we we did get an email from someone in Budapest, and I don't know if they get this beer. So we have a listener in Budapest who, who's already emailed us about um, some of the beers he's drinking. And I don't know if you get this beer there, but anybody else who lives in the, the continental United States, you probably have access to this beer. It is the New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. Yeah, so the Voodoo Ranger line, it's essentially a new series. It's like a, a new line of IPAs that New Belgium rolled out. For a while there, they just had Ranger uh, but then they took it to you know 3.0, and now they've got Voodoo Ranger, and it's a whole new line of, of awesome IPAs. And this one in particular is a New England style IPA. If you can't tell from the name, Juicy Haze IPA. They've got like all the all the catchphrases that uh, folks are looking for. <laughs> new England style, so hot right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm really pumped about this. It's like you said, the New England style IPA is like a craze, a full on craze right now. And there's a great article that we'll post in the show notes about these bigger brewers like jumping on board. And so New Belgium, Sam Adams, Sierra Nevada, they've all kind of launched their own IPA in this New England style. And so we'll, we'll post a link to that article. It was just interesting to read. Yeah, it's basically just how it's going mainstream now, right? Yeah. And, and some folks will be like, oh, time to move on. <laughs> it's like now that the big guys are getting behind it, it must, you know, must suck now. But no, like for for us, we we just get excited about that because that's value. Yeah. You know, once the big guys start getting getting in there and they're able to perfect their you know these recipes and these beers and sort of mass produce them, now everybody gets to have an awesome IPA that's juicy, way easier to drink than some of the traditional IPAs or like the West Coast IPAs for sure that are crazy bitter and have a lot of a lot of bite to them. Like guys that don't really like IPAs. Give this one a shot. You, you need might to start like with a yeah, New England style juicy haze IPA. And the great thing is, I mean, well, I don't think they're going to be as good as something like Bissell Brothers or Trillium. Oh, yeah, no. The guys that have been doing it for years now and have like just crushed. And we've had some of the, their beers and they're absolutely fantastic. Or some of the breweries out of Vermont that really kind of started this mm-hmm. this craze. Uh, but $8 for a six pack? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I picked this up at, well, in the Southeast, we have Kroger. But I'm assuming you can probably get it in a lot of places. But it was on sale, so normally it's nine ninety nine, and they had it for seven ninety nine. That's amazing, yeah. Eight bucks for a six pack, and I don't, I don't know if it's because they're trying to get it launched well, you know, just so it gets out there and folks are able to get their hands on it and start tasting it. But that's an incredible price. I could, yeah, yeah I picked up two two six packs. Well, going back, yeah, and going back to episode eight, you know, how to get a deal on craft beer. Like we're we we truly think that some of these there's some really good nationwide breweries and new belgium is one of them uh and so yeah we need to drink this beer right now let's do it i'm thirsties yeah Ooh, look at that pour man it's not quite like full-on orange juice like some of those ones out of vermont but it looks quite orangey it's awesome you can't like i'm holding uh my glass and i can't see my fingers through it which i really like (laughs) yeah that's a good sign so that's a characteristic of the style is that it's hazy which means it's unfiltered so it's got a lot of those 
particulate uh, <laughs> floating around in the beer, but it gives it gives it some some awesome flavor. I think usually when you filter a beer, you filter some of the taste out at the same time, and maybe you give it this certain look and the certain quality that you certain want. Clarity that is yeah. traditional. Yeah, but you're missing out on some of those flavors, and so that's kind of one of the things that the New England style has introduced is you know let's not filter our beer and let's kind of see what happens. And it does seem to retain a more concentrated flavor than an IPA that's filtered. That's real nice, man. Goes down easy. Almost goes down too easy. Yeah, like it's really creamy. Even most of like the great New England style IPAs retain some of that hop bite. Like you need mm-hmm. like some bite to it, and this is like just fluid juice almost. It's really good, and I can tell that you know they did a good job making it, but. It misses like an element of what I love about IPAs. It just feels a little light to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like expecting just something a little bit bigger. I kind of like to be socked in the face with something like this. But for eight bucks a six pack, if you're looking for an introduction oh, to yeah. the style, then I mean, I'd say pick this up because it is really solid. I think I would drink this though over say most any other New Belgian beers right now. You know? Yes, like, I agree. Yeah. Like if I'm going to pick up a new Belgian or just sort of a daily drinker like that, man, I'm I'm totally going to pick this up. I think it's great. I agree. And I think too, like you and I both just really like this style. So the uh, ability to find somebody making essentially, you know, something in this vein for eight bucks a six pack. Yeah. I think I'm willing to take a little bit lesser quality for an $8 six pack because a lot of the people that are putting just tons and tons and tons of hops into these New England style IPAs. They have to charge, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen dollars, you know, for a for oh, yeah. a six pack, and so they're just really prohibitively expensive. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think this one's a worthwhile get. Solid beer. All right, Matt. Today, the topic, the why behind money, and to me, this is such an important thing to talk about. I think most people don't slow down long enough to think about the question of why behind why they save and why they spend their money. Uh, and so their money just becomes allocated randomly to all these different places. And today we're going to focus on how to figure out the why behind your money so that you can prioritize your spending so that it actually reflects what you want out of life. Yeah, Joel, I'm excited about uh, talking about this one as well. I think talking about the why behind what what we're going to do is very important. You know, a lot of what we talk about are the nuts and bolts, the very practical things like how to do this, how to do that. But it's very important to know the why behind, almost, you know, pretty much everything that you do. And for some people, I think that comes a little bit easier and they kind of have a mission and they kind of can hit that and then run with it. But um, I think some folks do. It's important to talk through the why and to help people to know how to address that, just like we would help folks think through how to even just like improve their credit score, things like that. Yeah, I think of the question of the why of money almost like a fundamental. It's almost like shooting free throws over and over and over to get good at it. There's something about this, like repetitively thinking about this and and having this kind of in the back of your mind uh, and doing some intentional thought about it over time. Uh, Because I I just remember when, so the way I grew up with money, um, my parents, awesome people, they, they weren't great with money. And so... Uh, I I learned growing up that I wanted to approach money differently, but it kind of led me to being like a tightwad and uh, and super mm-hmm. frugal. I didn't know how to use money well. It really took me sitting down and being incredibly thoughtful about what I wanted my life to look like and how money intersected that. And so once I did that, once I sat down and really kind of put out my life goals and saw how to apportion my money to make those things a reality, it really helped clear up my relationship with money. It wasn't like money's this scary thing or money is this is this thing that I just need to amass like a ridiculous amount of. Mm-hmm. It, it became this easy way to kind of unify my whole life. Well, these are the things I enjoy and here's how money can kind of is a part of that and it helps me achieve what I ultimately want. Um, and Without doing that though, I think I would still be this just ridiculously frugal, not generous uh, person with uh, an awkward attachment to money mm-hmm. as opposed to like a well thought through fruitful attachment to money. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have more, you'd have more like the Uncle Scrooge kind yeah. of miserly <laughs> approach to it, right? Where like you have this view of money as being this sort of 
slippery thing that's just always trying to escape. And I got to go dive in it every day just to, you know, <laughs> just For, be fulfilled. Yeah. Versus uh, using it like a tool. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is, is approaching money from the standpoint of the why behind why we save money and, the, and sort of the why behind why we spend money. You know, why do we save? We save essentially to become financially independent at some point. Like down the road, we, w- we want to be able to retire or to be financially independent to where we have the option to work or to not work. And secure ourselves and to be responsible essentially and, and you know in the end it's, it's not about not living a fulfilling life necessarily but it's about kind of being responsible and making sure you're kind of taking care of your future self i think when it boils down to like why do i save i think there's there's like two real reasons for me and one of one one reason is i don't want to be worried about money at night i don't want to not be able to get to sleep because i've got a bill that i can't pay or right. because there's uh, there's something lingering on the horizon that I know I'm not going to be able to afford. Uh, I I want a peaceful feeling about money. And so I save because I want to be able to sleep well at night. And I know that that's an issue probably for some of you listeners out there. That is something like, you know what? Yeah, that's a problem I have. And I can't sleep well at night because my money issues are so great. The other reason that I want to save money is ultimately kind of what you're just talking about, Matt, is freedom. I want to be free to make whatever choice I want to make. I want uh, freedom to decide uh, that I want to work less or that I want to work more on exactly what I want to work on. Yeah, um, something, something beer-related, uh, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Maybe some crummy podcast named Poor Not Poor. I don't know. Or to hop... Hey, that's in. like the third hit we've, uh, <laughs> we've dealt towards Poor Not Poor. It's self-deprecating night at Poor Not Poor. It's like, we love you, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should treat it nicely. Uh, and Or, you know what, just pack up in in a camper or something like that and take three months to go around the country with my family. Whatever it is, I want the freedom to be able to make some of those choices and saving money, being intentional with your money over the long term, you can make choices like that. And I think sometimes starting out day one, that seems impossible. But if you are in this for the long haul and intentional about your savings, that is possible and that is a worthy thing to be aimed for. Yeah, having those long-term goals is hugely important. We don't save money because we love money. <laughs> There's goals and things that we want to do long-term, and, and that's what fuels us. That gives us the, the why behind why we save. So Matt, knowing your why behind money actually makes saving a lot easier because let's say my ultimate goal is to, in five years, take my family on this cross-country road trip, and mm-hmm. that's something I'm really interested in doing. Saving money today with that goal in mind, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. Oh, yeah. If I'm just like... That's your fuel, right? If I'm just saving because it's a percentage on a piece of paper or because it is what you know Matt and Joel told me to do or what a blog post told me to do, the implications for me actually doing that saving are not good. But when I attach actual hopes and dreams to it, then it makes my desire and ability to save grow because mm-hmm. it, it just grows in importance for me. Yeah, you're tying that motivation to something tangible and to something real in your life that you actually want to do other than, you know, besides some percentage or some number that you have written down on a piece of paper, right? Exactly. Yeah, we don't love money. The reason why behind saving that we save isn't because we love money. It's because we have these goals that we are pursuing and that's what fuels us. And it's a tool to achieve those goals. Yeah, and so... I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes. For instance, that's something we've been in the middle of, but it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. Thirty seven thousand. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. 
There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it upright. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. We could spend the rest of the podcast talking about saving because there's so much, so many different aspects uh, that we could approach it from, but we're going to attempt to leave it <laughs> and now talk about more of the Actually, I think for a lot of folks, it might be considered more the fun aspect of the why behind money, which is spending. So there's obviously you save or you spend. And so we just touched briefly on saving and hopefully down the road, we'll, we'll dedicate an entire episode to saving. But, but yeah, you want to talk about spending now and, and basically we're going to talk about why we spend money on what we do. Yeah. So essentially it comes down to we want to be intentional to spend our money on things that we truly enjoy. And that ultimately means that you have to prioritize things because, I mean, I think in a perfect world, a lot of things I would want to do, and I certainly can't do them all today. I can't do them all tomorrow. I might not even be able to get to all of them in my lifetime, yeah. but I have to come out with a, a list of things that I prioritize and how you allocate your money should reflect those priorities that you have written down. Yeah. Kind of touching on that. I feel like I'm starting to <laughs> to realize, man, that like... Even if I had all the money in the world, which I do not, I don't have all the time in the world. You know, I don't know if that's me, like me kind of getting old, like old man Matt now, but I'm realizing that there's just so much time in the world and, and, and that's kind of becoming maybe the more and more rare resource in my life. And, and so it's, it's a prioritization, not only for, from a financial s- standpoint, but from a time. Again, mm-hmm. we're, gonna, we're talking about money. We're not going to talk about time. 
uh, today, but it all kind of ties together, you know, like you ever had those thoughts? Oh yeah. And I think this thought process should take us all through what do we want our work life to look like too? And like how much money do we want to make? And I think this is like really, really crucial, really, really important to what we decide to do with our, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 hour a week mm-hmm. work lives as well. Uh, because it really should. It, and, and hopefully, uh, for me at least, it, it made me decide to do something that I think probably pays a little bit less than, than other things might because it's meaningful work. And also, that job allows me the flexibility to do some of these other things that maybe are low cost, but they True. require time. And right, right, right. So, th- so I, ha- I get paid less, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to have a more time to dedicate to some of these things that are low cost, but they're high benefit on the joy meter for me. So Matt and I each wrote down three items on, on our list. And these are things that I've thought about for a long time. And these are, uh, there are a lot of things that I could tell you that I prioritize that are like free or close to free. Uh, and we touched on it, you know, in an earlier episode, nerdy board games, super cheap. They take time though, time and friends and community, right? Like, and so to me, stuff like that's really essential, but I, I particularly wanted to pick out three things that you spend money on. I right? actually spend money yeah, on. So yeah, yeah that actually <laughs> really costs money and not just a few bucks here and there. Uh, and those three things for me that spoke the most to me um, and that when I spend my money there, I'm like really, really happy to do so were travel, craft beer, and folk art. I mean, I feel like craft beer should be on my list too, but it's not. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, I feel like... I mean, that's, let, that's like... You, you let down the a- podcast. <laughs> You should get another uh, another freebie because I mean craft beer is going to be one. Of, I mean, should be one of mine as well. I mean, obviously we you know we love we love enjoying uh, delicious craft beer, and that's something that we do spend more money on maybe than the typical person out there. Yeah, I think for me putting this down on my list gave me the ability to prioritize more of my money towards that because I think for a while I was like trying to straddle this line, and I was like, well, if I drink Miller High Life four nights a week, I can drink a good craft beer on the weekend. And putting this down in my line item, like, hey, you know what? This is one of those few things that you highly prioritize. This is one of your whys. Like, don't, don't not drink a Voodoo Ranger, you know, on a Tuesday night if that's what you want to do because you've given yourself the financial ability to do so. Mm-hmm. And so just withholding that from myself was really not reflective of my values. So it was really important for me to write it down and to kind of have that in the forefront of my mind so that when I do go into the craft beer shop every other week, I don't feel bad, yeah. you know, dropping 40 bucks on beer uh, because it is something that I value as a high priority. And real quick, I'll, I'll, I'll just say the other things. <laughs> People probably like folk art. What's that? Uh, I don't know. I'll, we'll, maybe we'll post a picture. Yeah, I was going to say most folks know travel. I mean, you know, folks yeah. can kind of relate to that. But yeah, folk art, why don't you like explain to folks what it is about that that you're drawn to? Man, I'm just obsessed with the colors and the subject matter, and essentially the definition really of a folk artist is an untrained artist. That speaks to your heart. The <laughs> fact that someone can kind of just come in there and kind of do whatever they want. And it it it's, does. It's pretty cool, yeah. Th- there's like no rules to it, really. You know, you're, you're not... Now it, you'll find a little bit of folk art in museums, but there's so much like urban folk art too that really speaks to me that is even completely different than what was traditionally more of a southern southern thing of, of folk art untrained artists mm-hmm. howard finster being you know one of the most recognizable and we'll you know in the show notes maybe we'll post a link to a couple of guys that I, I like to follow and i like to buy their pieces but really just like local art and folk art i'm i'm just really into it and so we have i will not put up like a piece of art from home goods in my house or something like that like <laughs> i just won't buy a piece of art on amazon that's you don't like want a mass-produced uh, no. uh, sunset i mean i know you've got some thomas kincaid in your bedroom matt but uh <laughs> I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not a fan of it. I need these individualized pieces that speak to me. And yeah, man. so Emily and I have prioritized that. And sometimes, you know, these pieces are hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but it's something that we say, you know what, once a year, maybe twice a year, you know, we find a piece of art and usually it's a, a our anniversary celebration. You know, we get an awesome piece of art and mm-hmm. it's fun to be like, oh, that's what we got year one. That's what we got year two. That's what we got year five. And just to remember, go down, you know, memory road and say, you know, it's a reminder for us of our love and our love of art and people walk into our house. And I think it's one of the most instantly recognizable things. People are like, 
oh, you got a lot of weird paintings in here. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's just kind of kind of fun too that it's visible in that way too. So like a raccoon sitting on a dock chewing on a corn cob. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the quintessential like what's a folk artist? Well, maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but writing those things down, travel, folk art, craft beer, I'm now I don't feel bad allocating, you know, large amounts of money to those things. Those are kind of my spending wise and it's really fun to get to like think about those. So Matt, we talked about my three whys and you know, one of them's weird. Uh, what, <laughs> what are yours? Yeah, Joel. So my three that I've got down are our house and I wrote down ATL UTD, which is our soccer team, Atlanta United. Heck yeah. And, uh, and bikes, which is kind of like beer for you. It's something you enjoy as well, right? Yep. But yeah, so let's, I mean, we, we did a whole episode on bikes, how much joy it brings us, how it satisfies so many different things in our lives. Yeah. From a physical fitness, from a money saving standpoint, from just a community standpoint, there's so much joy that I get out of being on my bike and, and getting my daughters on the bike as well and, and, and getting out there. So and buying a new bike. Oh, yeah. You just bought your wife a new bike. You've got a few bikes. Like you... Yeah, they cost money. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so that's why we have to prioritize it is because, it, I mean, it does cost money. And so it's, it's something that we, we kind of need to budget for. And it's something that some people don't. And that's fine. Because uh, for them, it's not a priority. But for us, it's a priority. And it's something that we're intentional about. All right. So when you wrote down house, um, I completely see this. Like there's a completely different mindset for you than me about our about our homes. And so for us, it's more like, a line item that I'm trying to lessen the amount that we spend on it. Right. But, but for you, I can see why it's a priority. You work from home. You have a larger family than I do too. And so uh, it, it makes sense that you prioritize this more. But can, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, the, so you, you nailed the first one on the head, right? So I work, I work from home. And so I spend like 99% of my time at home. <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy that needs to get out and kind of get in the coffee shop to, to be productive and get stuff done. You know, I like brewing my own coffee and staying home and saving money. And <laughs> I sit up front, in front of our house in, in the office. You need more space for that. And for a guy that's working 60 hours a week, you know, maybe a home shouldn't be or isn't as much of a priority. Yeah, you're barely there. You're traveling like a consultant, man. Like yeah. Literally, if you're living out of a hotel Monday through Thursday and then you're, you're flying home, it may not and probably shouldn't be a priority for you. But but for us having a... I mean, we're a family of five now plus Stella, but... It's, it's something that, that we are, that is a priority for us. And that's the other thing too, is our family. That's something that Kate and I have, uh, we sat down and we talked about. And for the next 16 to 18 years, we're going to be home a lot. You know, we've got kids. We're going to, the girls are going to be in school. We're going to be spending a lot of time at home doing the home life kind of thing. Kate loves cooking. She's oftentimes in, in, in the kitchen there cooking with the girls and we're teaching them there sort of in, in real life situations. We realized it became a priority for us from that standpoint. Not only do I spend a lot of time at home working, not only is it my home office and where I, I keep my gear, but it's also where we, we're raising our family, our growing family. And yes, we will be traveling and we love to travel. You know, it's something that you, know, that, that you mentioned and a lot of people resonate with that. I think it'll become more and more a priority as, as our, our girls kind of age up. So two things. You said you're growing family. Do you have some news you want to share with the podcast audience? I do not. Okay. All right. And that would have been news <laughs> to me too. So uh, I was interested. Uh, and it would be news to me, sir. And you guys are, are really into to hosting neighbors, to having people over too. And that is uh, another reason to, to prioritize your home. Because if that means you know, you're going out less uh, to restaurants, to entertainment, to movies, all those things, and you're having people over that's a reason to prioritize kind of your home yeah. in that way. Um, I think you obviously in moderation, you have to be smart about it, but you know, you guys prioritize a lot of things about having this home that you have. You certainly have to cut back in a lot of other areas, but the fact that you've made this such an important piece of your life, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it, it reflects what you value in the right ways. So I think one of the things, Matt, that can help people think about this properly some folks do what they're quote unquote supposed to do mm -hmm. and they follow kind of the pattern that their neighbors or their parents or the people around them set for them. I distinctly remember my dad telling me that when he, he moved across the country for this job, not too long after college, one of his coworkers told him, you know what, buy, buy a little bit bigger house 
than you can afford because, because you're going to get promotions and you're going to get raises. And, you know, eventually like you're going to be in the house of your dreams and you're going to be able to afford it. It's just going to be a little tight for a couple of years. That's essentially what my dad was told. And that's, right. that's just terrible advice. I think people make decisions based on what a stock quintessential American lifestyle looks like. Mm-hmm. And they forget to take stock of what they actually want. Like what's actually important to them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's, just, it's kind of this mind mindlessly yes, wandering yeah. and taking the default path as opposed to being incredibly conscious about the choices that you want to make in your life. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we're not harping against any sort of like one way of life because in my mind, there's different sort of defaults. There's different sort of stock lifestyles that you can mindlessly sign up for without even realizing it. <laughs> and whether that's like the sort of mindset of buying all the toys and for maybe some folks that means like getting an RV and getting a boat and different memberships to different clubs and paying dock fees and you know just all this sort of stuff it's not about one lifestyle over the other it's just about making a sort of meaningful intentional decision to focus on the things that are important to you and that you find value and that you find joy in yeah right so, so i think think through how big is my house? Is it located where I want to live? And if I could live somewhere else, where would that be? And what benefit would that bring me if I were to move somewhere else? I've got two cars or one car or whatever. How many cars does our family need? And maybe do we need the cars that are as fancy as they are as currently constructed in our lives? How much am I working? And what am I working for? What am I working for in my daily nine to five? And then ultimately... Like, what am I working for? What does this money mean? So what am I doing with my days? And then what does that mean for further down the road? I mean, I think you have to take stock of all those things in order to be able to kind of define your why behind money. And one more thing, I think I think the other default mode is I work for 40 years, I retire at 65. That's the... The default sort of like, I work and then I retire. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? there's a good chance I'll be working until 65. Hopefully doing something I really enjoy and exactly what I want to do though, because I'll have that ability to choose. But I think that that 40 years is essentially the most important years of your life. Those are some prime (laughs) years, yeah. (laughs) And and I don't think anybody at the end looks back and says, you know what, I wish I would have worked more. It's usually the things that they missed Mm -hmm. because they were working too much. And if you prioritize what you do as a reflection of, of either what you enjoy or you know, the results you want to see in the world mm-hmm. and then prioritize your time away from work in a way that reflects your values. I think it's just really easy to get, to get into a workaholic syndrome. And it's self-perpetuating too, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like the more you do it, the more you kind of get sucked in and then you get more responsibilities kind of heaped upon you and then you feel like you can't quit. And it's sort of this sort of endless treadmill, you know? And I honestly think... And tell me your thoughts on this too, but I feel like it starts early on. I think it starts somewhat with education when it like we're on this sort of education path, right? Like, and you start off kindergarten and you start going, you know, middle school and high school. By the time you're in high school, it, there's almost no question that like you should be going to college. That's sort of what's being fed to you. And there's good reason. People that go to undergrad, you earn more. It's reflected in the types of jobs that you can get after graduation. However, I don't think that's for everybody it puts us on this path of not thinking. And when by default, like your next steps are kind of already planned out for you, it's like a muscle. And the more, the more you work that muscle, the, the better you get at it. The less you work it, the worse you are at making those decisions. And so I feel like I, I, a lot of times you see people that are also then after even undergrad, then going to grad school because it's like, well, that's kind of what I've been doing. And I know that once I do grad school, I can definitely get this. I just don't like the kind of path it puts people on where they're not really thinking for themselves necessarily. I think there's been like a cultural push to prioritize college and we're pushing people even that know that they're good with their hands or, you know, good at mechanical skills or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. Who could literally come out of high school and have, you know, a great job working for themselves, working in a mechanic shop or becoming a plumber or whatever it may be. Those can quickly become high paying jobs in our economy now. And we've pushed people like that into college burdened them with lots of debt. Yeah, tons of student loan debt. Yeah. And then essentially told them to go, you know, be a history major when they would have been much better off. They would have spent less time, less opportunity cost, um, less student loans. Uh, and 
they would be, they'd be more fulfilled working a job that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've done like a huge disservice to some of our young people by making it sound like that's the only path and kind of missing out on apprenticeships and helping people to see the value in skilled labor as well. Yeah, or even encouraging them to like think about what they enjoy doing, you know, like so much of this kind of comes down to like your individual self and think through the like, would I be happy, you know, sort of what you were saying about maybe taking a job that might have a, you know, a lower salary, but might be completely fulfilling. That being said, I don't want to discount going to college, right? (laughs) Like, for a lot of people, that's a great move and a great decision. And especially for people that have thought it through. What we're, what we're kind of focusing on is the intentionality and being focused and thinking it through and taking the steps that you know you want to take to further your career. And that's actually somewhere where like having a mission statement, I think, might be very helpful for, for some folks. This is something that we've had different sort of versions of since Kate and I were married, but like a, an actual mission statement, whether that be for you as, uh, as an individual or if you have a family, just kind of talking through some of the values that you have. And it, you know, it, it kind of sounds kind of crazy to be like, what's my mission statement? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> but I mean, it can literally be as simple as thinking through your values. Like what are some things that you want to prioritize in your life? And once you have that, a lot of decisions become easy because it's like, it falls under that. And then you say, oh, does this align with our values? Does this align with our mission statement? If so, then it's like, all right, let's see if this makes sense sort of financially. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, 
Life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. So I, th- I think the, uh, creating this mission statement is helpful as an individual or as a family, like you said, Matt. And I think yeah. it helps you get on the same page with your spouse or significant other too, so that when something does pop up and you're like, oh, do, do we want to spend our money this way? Do we want to move to another city for a job? Or do we want to, to purchase this new car or whatever it is? Like You can go back to this mission statement. It's like this foundational, it's like a pillar yeah. of your family that you can go back to and say wait, no, actually, if we were to make that decision, it doesn't quite reflect our values and what we actually want out of life. We would just be trying to keep up with the Joneses or we would just be mm-hmm. doing what society tells us is valuable, even though ultimately that's not what we want. Yeah, man, I completely agree. So how, like, so let's take some practical steps then. Like, How would you encourage folks to figure out what it is that they want? All right, so I would say first, you need to think about it. So sit down, think about it, pen and paper, What brings you the most joy? Those are great things to write down. And I think like, so you know what? Spending time with my kids or playing nerdy board games, playing disc golf, so many of those things are free for me. It's awesome. So really what I'm trying to do is value my time and my time to get to do those things that I love. So what you should do, sit down, write down what brings you the most joy. If you live alone, if if this is just you, Great. It's a lot easier. <laughs> if if it's with your spouse, you both, you sit down and write these things out and you come together and you talk and you figure out, you know what, where do these things intersect and where do they depart from one another? But ultimately that list is going to help you as you attempt to write this mission statement. And as you attempt to prioritize the things that matter the most to your family in particular. And this may not be something that like you've ever done, right? Like this, I mean, this isn't like a normal thing that I feel like once you kind of, you know, you get a job and you kind of kind of start falling into the rhythms of life, sitting down and taking the time to do something like this isn't like a natural, <laughs> isn't a natural thing. So it's weird. It's foreign. You're yeah. just used to the routine and the daily life. And so you just you kind of fall into the rut and you don't really think about these sort of things. You very rarely take the time to step back and be thoughtful like in this way. And that's what we're trying to fight. <laughs> yeah. And so that being said, like you may not have ever really sat down and thought through this. And this might require some brainstorming, you know, like think through like, what are the different possibilities that are out there? Because you can do them. (laughs) Like it just takes some prioritization. It takes thinking through what is truly important, like listing them all out, figuring out what it is that you actually want to focus on. And by starting to make that list, you'll quickly be able to figure out what it is that is more important than the others. Yeah, I think that brainstorming is such an important piece because we tend to think of things in like a box Uh and we can't go outside that box. And like our life can really only handle up to these certain limits that we've imposed on ourselves. But really, if you think big and brainstorm some of these big possibilities that could happen in your life, like a six month trek around Europe, Uh you know, that's a big goal and that's really hard for people to achieve. You can get there if that's something you prioritize you have to think it up first and then you have to talk about it and then you have to prioritize your spending to make that a possibility. But if you don't brainstorm the possibilities, if you're kind of left tabling those hopes and dreams, that's a crummy way to live. You want to be intentional enough to think about them and to put those possibilities out there as a family or as an individual so that you can start working in that direction. For some folks, that might be a priority. For some folks, that sounds like a nightmare, <laughs> right? And so there might be the individual who's like, well, no, I just want to have like my boat and I want to be able to go fishing on the weekends. And for that person, if that's what they've identified as like what's important in their life, man, go for it. You know, like that's the, that's what's so cool about this is that like, we're not trying to say that there's one way you have to do it. We just want you to do whatever it is that you want to do and be 
proactive about it and to freaking crush it. <laughs> like if you want to go and fish every Saturday morning, go for it. Like that's that's cool. That's awesome. But think about that. Is yeah. it the fishing or is it the lake house? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, like which one is your priority? And some people would say, well, I like to fish. So I'm going to get a lake house. Well, that's a lot of upkeep. That's a lot. Of, yeah. <laughs> maybe that is your priority. Maybe because that's where family gatherings happen and stuff like that. Is it the fishing or is it the lake house? What is it? And or is it fishing or is it backpacking across Europe? You know, like yeah. there's different things for different folks. And we just want you to be thoughtful about what it is that you're you're doing and to not sort of fall into these ruts because people around you are doing those things and you think, oh, I guess I should do that as well. That's what we're trying to avoid. So once you've done this full brainstorm, I would say the next thing you need to do is prioritize. So if you have these big, ambitious, lofty goals, you might not be able to do them all or you know, some of them t- might take a lot more time. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, one of our goals as a family, at some point, maybe five, six years from now, I want to be able to take three months and travel around the country in an RV. You know, my kids will be old enough at that point. That's just a memory I want to make with my kids. And there's all sorts of things that I can prioritize, but no, you know, this one's happening way down the line. This one's something that I can accomplish next year. This one's something I can accomplish tomorrow because I just need to make my schedule reflect my priorities at the same time. Mm -hmm. So prioritize those goals. Know that you might not be able to achieve all of them and then start kind of put your money where your mouth is as you prioritize those things out. So let's say, Matt, you just did this and you wrote down all these things that you prioritized and a fancy car and a 3,000 square foot house aren't anywhere in there. But as it turns out, you live in a 3,000 square foot house and you drive a fancy car. What do you do? Because we just said, do it. Like, what do you do then? Yeah, man, you, you sell them. If you've realized that those are not priorities in your life and you realize that you're sort of in that position, you have control of your life. These aren't things that are sort of there and they're unchangeable. These are things you can change. Start making a plan. And part of that plan might involve, you know, for a lot of folks might be selling a house or taking some drastic steps. And we're not at all advocating you to like completely upend your life. But the first step towards doing that is thinking through what that might look like. And I think for a lot of folks that might actually look like selling a house and and moving or maybe some not so extreme, extreme examples. It might just mean like, well, maybe that means for us not going out to eat as much. And instead of putting that money towards travel, because that's what we really truly enjoy and what we value. Yeah. I mean, I think realign, realign your money allocation to reflect those goals that you just deemed as the most important things. Some of those things might take uh, some time. Like, for instance, a house. Let's say you have got this 3,000 square foot house. I've got a mortgage. I've got all these things. I've got kids. We've got to move. All these things that go along with it. That might be something that takes time, but at least it's on your radar. And at least it's something you can start working towards. Yeah, it's something that you've thought about and you've addressed, right? It's, it's something that you're not going to be able to solve overnight, but it's something that we want you to be conscious to. Or I've got a car payment, but you know what? I've only got a year left of it. And once I'm done, I hold on to this for the next 10 years because I was just going to get another lease or another car or whatever it may be. But not anymore. Not anymore. That's your new car. Because <laughs> it doesn't reflect what I truly want. Because what I want is more time or what I want is more travel, whatever it is. Know that you can change those priorities and you can change your spending to reflect those priorities. And when you do... That's the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful place in life when you can look at your budget, when you can look uh, at that outflow and say, you know what? That really and truly reflects kind of my heart, what I want my life to look like, what I want my family to look like. And I think this is like a pendulum, right? Like there's sometimes like, I feel like I'm in the middle of it, but most of the time I'm like a little left or a little right and I'm not not quite in that sweet spot where I want to be. Yeah, it's always sort of changing a little bit here and there, right? Yeah, but if you can think about it like that and be like, you know what, I'm way over here on the left, but you know what, my goal is just to kind of get it a little more, a little more in equilibrium, a little closer to the center. Um, and and think about it like that pendulum that, that's swinging. You have the power though to kind of put yourself in that position. It just, sometimes it takes time. Some, some people are going to have a harder time than others, but you have to start somewhere You have to start by thinking about it and then doing it. And no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to realign your spending to reflect your values. You have to be the main key actor in this. I mean, this is your job and it's your life and you've only got one. And 
I don't know about you, but living a stock lifestyle, that's not for me. I want my life to reflect those core values that I have more and more every day, every year. And so we're just saying, you know what? Slow down, stop, take a look, take a minute. And and these are, I think, some actionable points where you can move forward with that. All right, let's stop and take a look at this beer. Okay. That we... <laughs> Mine's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear we're not racing, but it sounds like we race sometimes. So, you may, you know, something I love about this beer too. I mean, I guess we kind of touched on this earlier, but this is one of the few six packs that we've that we've had on. I mean, we didn't have an entire six pack, but this, this is a lot of the beers that we've had. Are single bottles, harder to find. Yeah, they come in the format of a, like a 750 bottle. They might only be available in, in two or three states even. So some of them that don't distribute very Yeah, or they're seasonal. I, hope, like, I think this is something that you'll see on the shelves, I think, year-round. Uh, and you'll be able to find pretty much anywhere. Yeah, this is really good. And it's like juice-heavy. It's still really, really, really tasty. Yeah, I think it's the best beer I've had from New Belgium that comes in six-packs. Yeah, I really like uh, New Belgium's Lips of Face series, which that's is... an awesome series. Yeah, that's their like single La bottles. Uh, oh, Le Terroir. Le Terroir. <laughs> I got some good ones, so look for those too. But I think this is probably the best release I've had from them that comes out in six packs. This is really tasty. Yeah, I would recommend uh, giving it a shot. So if you find Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA at your local grocery store or bottle shop... Not even bottle shop. You can just pick this up at the... <laughs> it's crazy at your your big grocery store it's crazy the amount of good beer you can get at your grocery store now i mean so many grocery stores targets like there's a lot of uh grocery chains that that are really starting to um amp up their craft beer selection they know that's what folks are wanting so yeah so it's really cool to see i I mean i still prefer to go to my bottle shop i mean i think you know i'd rather be able to talk to the dude about the beer and i'm kind of weird about that but if i need something real quick and the closest place to me is the grocery store man it's awesome this is a good option and this is a great option all right joel let's uh let's do a quick wrap up let's wrap it all right so first the big why behind money save your money so in the why behind saving is to eventually have financial freedom and work is a good thing but you want to have the option to not work or work less uh, so that you can prioritize your time the way Mm -hmm. you want to yeah, it's about having options. It's not like we're, we're, we're not advocating saving because we love money. It's not to accrue the most money humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, we have goals and missions. And part of getting to those goals and those missions and, and what we spend our money on is spending, right? And so obviously, spending has an inverse relationship there with saving. And so we want you to spend your money in ways that are intentional and meaningful and that align with your values in life. Yeah, and so that means not living a default or stock lifestyle everyone else around you has two cars and a 3,000 square foot house. That doesn't mean that's what you need to do. And maybe that's how you want to live, but be thoughtful about it. And so don't just live the lifestyle that your coworkers or friends or your parents have lived. Make sure that your lifestyle is reflective of what you want your life to look like. And maybe you don't even know what that is. <laughs> we live in a, a, a world that's just so fast, you know, and it's just, everything's just happening so quickly. We don't take pause to think through the things that are important to us and the things that we value. And so for a lot of people, including myself, man, this is sort of weird to do, but to sit down and think through like, what's important to me? Soul searching, but it's important. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it can, it can be like this big ethereal thing, but like really just think through what do you value and, and what do you find the most enjoyment in? And that's what we want you to pursue. That's what we want you to focus your life around, and even a mission statement, if that's what it takes to kind of create a concise sort of statement that you can refer back to. It makes a lot of life easier when there's decisions that come up. You can refer back to the mission statement. Yeah. So think about how you're spending. Think about what brings you joy. Prioritize those things that bring you joy and figure out what goals are achievable and the timetable that it might take to reach those. And then do it. Yeah. Do it. You have control of your life. Like Joel said earlier, you're like the main player in your own life. Nobody else is going to be advocating for you to do the things that you want to do. Right on. So next time, maybe we'll tackle something a little bit easier. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice when there's like, do these three steps and it'll increase your credit score. (laughs) Things like that are are nice to kind of wrap your head around. This is tough. It is, but hopefully we've given people something to wrestle with. I mean, it makes me want to go back even and, and look at my goals and talk with my wife about this stuff again. And I feel like it's something that comes up a lot. And if you like this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts yeah, or wherever you listen. Maybe leave a brief review. 
And our home on the web is howtomoney.com. Check it out. We'll have some show notes up there for you. So until next time, man, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.